You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Good morning, friends. Great to have this opportunity to gather together in this way. And what we're going to do this morning and next Sunday also is take some time to reflect on Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. And the game plan, you know, nowadays uh, in the world of, of COVID, um, we, we have game plans, but we hold them loosely. So uh, just so you know, the game plan is, is that today we'll talk about the first two chapters of Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, and then we'll uh, finish the letter next Sunday. So uh, there's, there's the plan uh, there's the plan in place um, for us. But as we begin to reflect on Thessalonians this morning, let me open with a prayer. Uh, the Lord be with you. Most gracious and ever-living God, we do thank you that uh, you enable us to gather in this way. And even though we would rather be together, uh, yet it is a reminder of the way in which we are knit together um, in you and in ways which are visible and in ways which are invisible. And as we're gathered now, as we gather in your name, we pray that you'd be in the midst of us. And I pray ultimately uh, that at the end, not my words, but that your living word would go forth, that through the work of your spirit, you would open your living word to us and open us to your word. And this I ask, this I offer now, in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I mentioned we're going to be working through um, 1 Thessalonians, it's, uh, it, it's appearing in the lectionary cycle right now, and uh, recently I had opportunity to reflect on this with our uh, Tuesday morning service uh, that we have, that we've been meeting in the garden during the present time. And it's funny, I, uh, the first chapter was what we were going to reflect on, and, and, and Paul and I have a thing, and uh, you know, when you're Together for a long time, you kind of you, you kind of have patterns um, for for better for worse, right? Um, you you have patterns in place, and and one of them is when I'm preaching or teaching on a particular text, I will read it to Paula. Uh, I'll say, okay, you know, and, I, and I'll read it, and I'll say, okay, um, so so what do you think? Uh, what what do you think? What did you hear? Uh, what should I talk about? And um, Inevitably, I'll read it to her, and, and more often than not, she'll say, I have no idea what you're going to say. Um, I, I'm still doing it all these years later. What, what do you think? And she'll say, you know what? I'll pray for you. I have no idea what you're going to say. And, and I confess, um, particularly when I read this first chapter of Thessalonians, I, I thought to myself, what uh, in the world am I going to say? And, and perhaps you're not hardened um, as I share that with you right now, but as I as I read through it and as I reflected on it, I was greatly encouraged. I found so much in here that was encouraging by way of exhortation and way of encouragement, but also so much that readily applies to what the Christian life is and the freedom and the joy of the Christian life. I guess those were the things that really struck me, freedom uh, and joy as uh, as I read these words, and you know that which we all long for and look for in so many different ways freedom and joy uh, contentment uh, peace uh, those 
gifts uh, of God. Those gifts uh, were readily shown um, through this, but, but wonderfully as well. One of the things that also jumped out at me was that all these things were present, but it was not indifference. It wasn't a matter of being um, detached, but actually more deeply attached. Uh, you know, often if, if you're anything like me, we, you know, we, we long for these things, but they're kind of hard to find in the world, aren't they? Um, we, we can find freedom and we can find joy and we can find peace, but then the problem is, is people. Um, you know, we, we have to interact um, with people. So sometimes it feels like we can have them for a moment, but then they're so quickly lost once we have to uh, engage with people, um, whether that be in the church um, or in the world. But one of the uh, interesting things, and perhaps you've experienced this during this um, awkward time, is that we can also see that honestly, it's hard to find these things uh, when we're by ourselves also, isn't it? Uh, and we've all had um, a good amount of time to spend with ourselves, and perhaps you're like me, it's with mixed results. Um, sometimes the more time I have with myself, the less freedom, the less contentment, the less peace um, that I experience. Um, and uh, let me, for a moment, um, pause. And again, if you, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to the first letter of Paul um, to the Thessalonians. And I'm going to say some more, but before I do, let me, let me pause and, and read for us the first chapter. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Uh, I'll pause there. That, that's the end of the um, first chapter, and as we reflect this morning uh, on this and, and what it has to say, I'll say just a little uh, brief word uh, about the church in Thessalonica. Uh, we, we read about Paul's, Paul made contact uh, with them during his uh, second missionary journey. In, in, in Acts chapter 17, uh, we read about um, Paul's going to uh, Thessalonica and on three successive Sabbaths um, teaching and reasoning with the people there. And, and right, before, right before this is when Paul um, goes to Philippi. Uh, and if you, if you remember, if you don't, the, the reception that, 
Paul received there is, is kind of the typical reception that, that Paul receives. Uh, he, he would tend to be um, at, at, at worst um, beaten and thrown into jail, which is what happened in, in Philippi, but, but God delivered them um, from that predicament. Uh, and in Thessalonica, it's, it's a little better for Paul. He's, he's run out of town um, in this particular case, and they go on um, to Berea and then, and then on further from there. But as, as so often happens, the, the reception which Paul receives is, is one, well, it's mixed. Uh, and, and the Word of God, um, the Word of God does that. Uh, people uh, who uh, hear the truth of it receive it with joy and with gladness, with, with freedom. It, it's, a, it's a word uh, of life. To those who um, resist, it's a word uh, of outrage. And we see not only in, in Thessalonica are there those who respond with um, resistance, but also um, as we read on through the Acts of the Apostles, we see um, the Judaizers, those um, who desire to steal the freedom of the gospel from the people, those um, who desire to um, slander um, Paul and the others. We, we see them following and, and continuing to, uh, well, attempt to cause trouble for Paul. Uh, and Silvanus here is, is uh, Luke often refers to him as Silas. Paul, um, Silvanus, or Silas, uh, and Timothy. We, we see that increased resistance which, which comes with them. Um, but, but Paul preached, and as he did so, uh, there were a number of people who were converted. We, again, we read and we hear about this in the 17th chapter of Acts, both um, Jews um, and Gentiles, and we're told, and a number of the leading women of that particular pr- place. Um, it was received um, with, with joy uh, among some, and of course, um, they, were, uh, they were run out of town um, as well. But a, a little brief word about um, Thessalonica, it was a significant city. It was in Macedonia along with um, Philippi, and, and it was a place um, that was, well, uh, again, it was a, it was a, uh, a, a prominent city, uh, a significant um, city, and, and Paul's word, uh, the word of God, ultimately begins to take root uh, there in that particular place and as I read through uh, Thessalonians again, one of the things that, that jumped out at me was the joy of the letter. Uh, like Paul's uh, letter to the Philippians, uh, there, there's a joy uh, and a thanksgiving. And again, I think that has a great deal to say to you and to me about the gift um, of the gospel and what is available to you and to me in our lives, not just theoretically, but, but in a very real and present and practical way. There's, there's a joy and there's a thanksgiving in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. Uh, and, and also, uh, it seems to be that this is a correspondence. This is a response which Paul is making to questions that have been posed to him from the people in Thessalonica. Uh, and so, Paul is Paul is responding um, to their questions, and uh, Paul is also addressing, as I mentioned, um, the, the persecution and the slander um, that's, that's always there, um, accusations, false accusations made against Paul um, that he and the others were in it for the money. And in fact, as we read through um, chapter 2, Paul will uh, go to great lengths to say, you know what, we, 
We worked uh, tirelessly to provide for our own means. Even though we could have made demands, we didn't want to be a burden um, on you, the people. We, we made sure um, that we were not a burden um, upon you. And so to negate that false accusation, which is made uh, against them. But inevitably in this, uh, as always, because um, communities of faith then are like communities of faith now. People then are like uh, people now. There, there were issues um, which uh, that the Paul addressed uh, in the letter to the Thessalonians, and we'll speak to some of those as, as we go along. But again, note um, the joy um, and the freedom which Paul uh, addresses here uh, as he remembers the people. And, and we begin uh, in verse 2 uh, after uh, the initial greeting which Paul gives, which is uh, reasonably standard, and, and yet, um, even though it's a fairly typical greeting, Note uh, the development uh, uh, and, and the clarity uh, of God to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the recognition that God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit um, are, are one. And it is from that place that, sp- that Paul speaks those words uh, of grace and peace to the community. But, but hear this, we give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you um, in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father, uh, we, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly uh, mentioning you in our prayers. Uh, as I mentioned, it, it seems to be similar in some ways to his letter to the Philippians. As you remember, as in the first chapter of Philippians, Paul uh, reminds the people that he thanks God for them always. And he says, it's, it's right for me um, to feel this way about you because of your partnership in the gospel. It's right for me to feel this way about you because um, I have you in my heart, is what Paul says. And I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. One of the things that I would like to say to you and to me this morning Part of the map toward um, peace, part of the map toward um, joy uh, in our lives uh, involves prayer. Uh, And it doesn't uh, merely involve uh, prayer, although that's dramatic and significant. It it involves um, prayer for others. Uh, One of the wonderful things, he says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you um, in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father. And he goes on to say, your work of faith, your labor of love, and steadfastness of hope um, in our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the gifts for you and for me to experience joy uh, and to experience freedom uh, is is through prayer, uh, and is through prayer and the remembering uh, of others. And what a great gift that is for you and for me. Uh, Well, I'll speak for myself. Um, To get my mind and my focus off myself uh, and to think about others and to lift up others in my prayers, to pray for God's presence and guidance uh, in their lives, to pray for their well-being. We we see that Paul and Silas and Timothy um, experience joy uh, in their remembering others uh, and they're lifting them up in prayer. And and it's interesting uh, what it notes, and this resonates with his uh, writing to the Corinthians, doesn't it? Faith, hope, Um, and love, we are told. What does Paul remember and give thanks for about them? Um, Their work, uh, their work of faith, uh, their work 
their work of faith is the word which he uses. And the word in Greek, uh, topos, means, means toil. And I, and I think not in a tiresome way, but to say that the work of faith is an ongoing thing uh, and that it is something which is um, ongoing um, in their lives. And for honest, sometimes faith, um, sometimes faith comes easily and sometimes faith is a work um, as we remember uh, and as we um, hold fast to that which God has revealed to us. Uh, I, it reminds me of that great uh, portion of Joshua, chapters 3 and 4, when the people have been wandering in the wilderness and God has been forming and fashioning them, and now it's time for them to enter into um, the land of Canaan, but there are uh, obstacles in their way, and as you might imagine, one is the Canaanites, um, but beyond that as well, um, there is, uh, there's the River Jordan, and it's in flood stage um, at the particular time, and, and, and the Canaanites, uh, among the false gods they worship was Baal, whom they believed controlled um, the water uh, and, the, and the floods, and so the, the, the Jordan is at flood stage at this time, and, uh, and the people are wondering what they're going to do, and um, Joshua tells them to um, prepare themselves um, to devote themselves because God's going to do amazing things in the midst of them. Um, interestingly, um, what that is uh, is um, they they send some priests in first. They send some clergy in first, and uh, you know, good call, right? Yeah, you can always make some more. So, uh, but anyway, they they send the priests in first, but um, they don't just send them in, but they send them with the Ark of the Covenant, that that symbol of of God's presence in the midst of them, and. And, and amazingly, as they as they step into the water, and the, and the way that the water was, it wasn't gradual in; it was it was steep and sharp. And so, this was a as they stepped in, this was a leap of faith. But as they as they step in, the waters um, are stopped, and the people enter into the land on dry ground. But then, um, interestingly, one of the things that they're told to do is to take up twelve large stones uh, from the bed of the river, to take up 12 large stones and, and to erect them as a memorial. And the reasons given are, are twofold. Uh, one, so that the people uh, in, in, times of, in times of need can look back to those and say, remember, remember when God did amazing things in the midst of us. Uh, and, and also, secondly, uh, as a witness, as a remembrance, but also as a witness. So when others ask why why the stones? Why are they there? What do they signify? They can tell others, uh, on this day, in this place, God did amazing things in the midst of his people. And so when Paul prays for them and, and lifts them up, as we pray for and lift up one another, um, the, the work of faith, uh, it, it is something that we're active and engaged in, but there's also that necessity for you and for me to have those remembrances, to be able to look back and in, in, in the times of need, but he remembers their, their work of faith, their ongoing, the labor of love. Um, any of us who are in relationship know that love is sometimes an emotion and sometimes it's a labor, um, but this, this labor uh, of love, this ongoing labor of love in their lives and the steadfastness of hope, and the word that is translated steadfastness has the connotation of endurance, um, it's active. There's no um, acquiescence. Uh, he gives thanks for their work of faith, their labor of love, the steadfastness of their hope uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and he says, for we know brothers, and interestingly, the word brothers appears 22 times uh, in Paul's letter um, to the Thessalonians, and, and brother 
uh, appears um, seven times, a, a, a wonderful remembrance of the way that we are connected um, to one another. But again, the, what I'm speaking of is uh, also the, the, the warmth and the fellowship which uh, Paul and the others find in, in that shared faith, uh, and they're praying for and strengthening and encouraging one another, and they're giving and serving um, to one another. Rather than being bound by that, they find freedom in that. Rather than being depleted, um, they find themselves filled with joy. And we hear, for we know, brothers, and, and I think it's so easy for us to rush right by this, but I, but I lift this up to you, brothers and sisters. 1 Thessalonians 4, for we know, brothers, loved by God, uh, that we are people who are loved by God, not in a generic way, but in a specific way, uh, not uh, in a way which is um, contingent, but in a way which is based in His character in his nature and in his will, that we are people who are loved by God. This is the, the, the foundation for you and for me, the security for you and for me, to know that we are people who are loved um, by God. And then he goes on wonderfully and he says, uh, brothers loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full um, conviction. Um, that we are people who are loved and chosen by God. It reminds me of the, those gracious words of Jesus in the 15th chapter of John's gospel. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Greater love is known than this, that they lay down um, their life um, for their friends. You um, are my friends, and this is the command I give you, to love one another. But those wonderful words, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should last, that your fruit should abide, that your fruit um, should remain. And, and, and he goes on in this first chapter giving thanks. And then in, in 6, and this is, this is worth noting, as he talks about you became imitators of us uh, and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia. And being a modern man, I keep wanting to say Ikea, right? Um, uh, that, that you became an example. You became, but you received the word in, in much affliction, uh, which is to say that, that, that in this life, joy and affliction are often synonymous, uh, that, that we have, because we have been loved by God, because we have been chosen by God, because he has poured out his grace and his mercy, because of the power and the ongoing activity of the Holy Spirit, that you and I are people who can have joy and peace and certainty in the midst of affliction, but the realization that they're, that they're almost always um, together, that even with great joy, there's, there's always affliction and trial um, and struggle um, in this life. But yet, wonderfully, they, the reality of that and, and the truth of that uh, is, is present um, in their lives, and they've been delivered um, from idols to serve the true and the living God, Paul says. They, they've been delivered from idols to serve the true and the living God. The, the reality of of the idols for them and the idols for you and for me, that they're things that ultimately, rather than um, free us, deliver us. There's a great moment for those of you who've been reading through, for those of you who've been reading through the Pilgrim's Progress as Christian and faithful are walking along and they talk about their various trials and, and, and some are similar and some are different, the ways in which they go through trials and the ways in which they are tempted. But um, as... Uh, they're sharing, uh, as uh, Faithful is sharing with Christian, there's a, there's a moment when he talks about uh, 
his encounter with the first Adam and all the pleasures uh, and the promises given to him in in the first Adam. And there's a moment uh, when Faithful realizes that, that all these things are promises. He says, you know what, I realize that when he gets me to his country, he would immediately sell me as a slave. Uh, which is to say in some ways that, uh, that, that the idols that, that promise us pleasure are ultimately the things which enslave us. Uh, and Paul says, wonderfully, you've been delivered from that. And let's move into um, chapter, chapter 2 here. And I'll, uh, I'll read a, a, a portion of it, sort of looking at our time, mindful of our time. Um, I'll try not to talk incredibly fast. Um, but we hear this um, as he goes on and continues to give thanks. And, of course, he gives thanks uh, um, that, that we are people who have been delivered by the living and true God. And we wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. We're, we are people who wait upon him uh, and who are assured in his deliverance. And then in two it goes on, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, again, Acts 16 and 17, uh, we we hear about this. We had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God um, who tests our hearts. And I'm going to pause there for just a second. As as he says, um, we've been entrusted uh, with this word. Uh, And again, Paul responding to some of his uh, critics here, we don't have any ulterior motives. We we speak the word uh, plainly and truthfully, uh, and we speak the word with with love. Uh, We speak the word with love. But but interesting, as as he says this, and he says... um, so we speak, and this is in four, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. To me, there's tremendous freedom in that. And again, as we, as we continue reading in two, we'll see it's not that he's indifferent. Uh, he's the far, we hear there, the, it's the, he's the farthest thing from indifferent. It's not that he says, I don't care what you think. Um, uh, you know what? Uh, it's, it's not saying I don't care. It, it's saying I, I, I care more deeply than you can begin to imagine but, but my security comes through my relationship with God. The approval that's been given to me through what Jesus has accomplished. I mean, it's a, I mean let's be honest. We all have in our lives, I know I do, and I'm, and I'm certain you do as well. There, there, there are people um, that you desire to please, uh, and there are people whose approval that, that you long to have. Again, I think that's, that's the human condition. I don't think there's any of us that don't have those people that we would like to please um, or the uh, approval of a particular person that we would, or, or, or people or group or whatever it might be that we'd love to have. But at the same time, those, those efforts um, to please uh, and to gather their approval, uh, do you find that exhausting? Uh, do, do you find that? And, 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 and typically, it's, it's a moving target, isn't it? We're, we're guessing what they want to hear. Uh, and we're, we're, we're trying to um, please them. And, and as I say, it can be just absolutely um, wearying and exhausting. So what Paul is saying here is the freedom of the Christian life. We, we, we care deeply 
um, for you. We, we, we long for you to know the truth. We long for you to be joyful. We long um, for you to be free. Uh, and in the midst of that great love and engagement, we also have a freedom because at the end of the day, uh, we desire to be true. At the end of the day, we desire um, to please God um, rather than to chase that elusive attempt um, to please um, people. And he goes on for We never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with the pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory uh, from people. Once again, a great word of uh, freedom. We we didn't seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, he says. But And then listen to this. I mean, again, this great, deep love which is given for, for people. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. That, that's about as tender an image uh, as, as we can imagine. Um, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, uh, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. Paul and Silas and Timothy uh, had received the reality of the gospel into their lives in such a way that it filled them and it gave them an ability to speak truthfully and honestly with people, but to have that truthfulness and that honesty be directed out of love. Uh, and rather than detaching uh, from people for fear of being rejected uh, or for fear of being hurt, they were able to deeply uh, invest and interact and, and, and care for people. What, a, what an amazing message given to you and to me. And then I, I move toward um, our conclusion here to, for today. For you remember, brothers, our our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Again, he says, you know, we we took great care not to make any demands of you um, that these false accusations might be seen for what they are, false. We, We weren't doing this for personal gain. We were doing this for you. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers for you know how like a father with his children, again, this uh, image, imagery of tenderness, for you know like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom um, and his glory. And he goes on, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, um, the Word of God, which is at work um, in you believers. It begins to be readily apparent um, in Thessalonica as uh, the Holy Spirit does its work with power. As the Word is received into people's lives, there is a joy and a freedom in the midst of affliction that wasn't present before. Um, There is the ability to have a security and a confidence. There is the ability to engage deeply uh, into the lives of others. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen uh, as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But God's wrath has come upon them at last, And then hear this, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not um, in heart, Uh, they were torn away in person, but not in heart, 
We endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus as it is coming? Uh, is it not you? For you are our glory uh, and you um, are joy. Uh, I pray that uh, as we hear today and as, as we go on, we will hear again, of the freedom and the joy that are found um, in being in relationship with God in such a way that that we're filled uh, and that we in turn are able to uh, pray for one another, uh, invest uh, in one another, serve one another, and the realization that in those things comes not not burden, but the joy and the freedom um, that we long for. And and we can rejoice and give thanks as, as Paul notes this work uh, in the life of uh, Thessalonica and the way that it wonderfully spreads uh, beyond that community as well as, as the Spirit does its work. And we'll continue on um, next week, and uh, as we conclude today, let us pray. Heavenly Father, give you great thanks that you uh, indeed come to us in Jesus, your Son, Uh, and that through your cross and through your resurrection, you have given us um, salvation and security. We thank you that you promise not to leave us, but to send your Holy Spirit to be our comfort, our advocate, our guide. Guide and direct us, draw us to you that we might be so filled um, that we might uh, wonderfully be sent uh, beyond ourselves in your love and service and in the care of others. This we ask, this we offer now in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.